0: to another episode of uh, Talking Peace, the podcast for Northern Ireland Alternatives. I'm your host, Glenn Miller, and you're very welcome with us on the episode today. It's been a wee while since the last one was released. We really do need to get more consistent with getting new episodes out. But we have a number lined up for you, and they're focusing in on a number of projects that we have going here at Alternatives, and today it features the build project. And the Build Project was set up to look at local development, and in fact, and that's even its name, it's Better Understanding in Local Development, and uh, we're joined today by a number of people who are involved in that, including the site Manager here at uh, Shankle Alternatives, Billy Drummond. Billy, we're going to start with you.
1: So, what's Build all about? Okay, um, Build really came out of the development of a CIT program that we had um, starting last April. Called safer hours for everyone and it was a community safety response through the executive office in the greater shankill part of that we had for what was called local relationship building programs and obviously unfortunately just as that project kicked off we also had a, a global pandemic um, so some aspects of that become very difficult to um to get out on the ground and it wasn't until december um there that we were able to Really profile one of the areas that was to do with policing, uh, and we, we come up with the idea of the addressing the issue of the, the abandoned waste sites throughout the Greater Shangle. So it's a very new initiative, even within um, uh, the SAFE program, um, but it started in December, and we got a, a three-month pilot.
0: Brilliant. So you're joined by some other people who are kind of connecting with you around this. Um, maybe these guys want to introduce yourselves?
2: Hi, my name's Ian McLaughlin, Project Manager, Lower Shankill Community Association. Um, we became involved in the Safe Project uh, from the outset. Very worthwhile initiative. Um, and as Billy has alluded to, uh, sometimes these projects take a life um, of their own. We were forced to adapt through COVID, and one of the topics that um, came to the fore was the regeneration or lack of regeneration within the Greater Shankill. Um, community. Um, to be fair, to Billy and his colleagues, um, a lot of groundwork went in, basically to establish what it was we were talking about. It's okay to say to people that there are high levels of vacant sites within a community, but in order to reinforce the case, there was actually a uh, a lot of groundwork had to go on to establish um, the sites, the size of, uh, the nature of them, privately owned, publicly owned. And I think the findings from that actually um, have spurred us on as a group, because uh, as lifelong residents of the Greater Shanghai area, um, it's fair to say that uh, I was probably shamed, and that I wasn't aware that to the extent that their election still impacts on our community. That um, their election for me impacts on our community in a host of ways. Um, a, a lack of self-esteem amongst not just young people, but across the entire community, community safety issues, um, You know, because of our work in partnership with the police, it's clear, um, very clear in fact, that dereliction and crime are inextricably linked. So to start a campaign of awareness, to highlight the issues primarily, um, and then hopefully if we build a, a will and a, a, a momentum within the community, we can actually begin to target landowners or, or people who hold land, not even landowners, um, in order that, as a minimum, perhaps their site could be cleaned in a way that makes it safe. Some of these sites are quite unsafe. And then the bigger problem will be to tackle or work in partnership with government to actually come forward with a plan that means we can start to regenerate, physically regenerate some of these sites of um Dereliction. And again, it was pointed out um, by one of my colleagues, not only have we the hands the teeth approach with the vacant sites, but we also have the derelict buildings which still remain within our um, communities that are a source of um, great anxiety to, and probably a bit of shame to people who are coming to visit the area. Um, so yeah, very excited about a piece of work, I'm just glad to be part of it. If you don't
0: mind me kind of catching up on something that you said there, and you mentioned twice there the word shame, one from your own perspective and then one from maybe a community perspective. Talk to me a bit, a bit more about that from what that was like for you and what you think that's like for the, the rest of the community in regards to that experience of shame.
2: Well, um, I suppose uh, for me as a community worker, you like to think or you're expected to know all the ins and outs and all the nuances within your community. Um But I have the privilege of perhaps working in one area of the greater shangle but living in another. And even on the journey from home to work or vice versa. um, Once this program began, I'm actually looking for dereliction on the road. Um, And what I see amazes me that I never ever looked at it in the same way before. And that's what I mean by shame. I'm not... I'm not shamed that as as a community worker, as a community activist, that our levels of work haven't improved our community, along with my colleagues on this table and many other tables. The point I make is that, um, and I use the the word shame purposefully, Glenn, because um, there are others who should be shamed about the state of our community, um, not just the people who live here.
0: All right, that's great. Thanks for that there. So we'll, we'll move on and uh, bring someone else in. And uh, if you want to introduce yourself and uh, tell us why you're involved, that'd be great. Hello,
3: my name is Paul Ferguson. I'm with the West Belfast Athletic and Cultural Society as a development worker, which is a very hard thing to do in this area, develop, because as Ian has already alluded to, there is so much dereliction. But it's not only the dereliction of the, the buildings, it's the dereliction of the government. Their government has not had a plan for this area except to decimate it. Their election and decimation, they seem to be the two themes for the government. Both our overlords in England, also Stormont and also the local city council. Because I have worked time and time again on come against the cold, dead hand of bureaucracy. And let me tell you, it isn't changing any. In fact, it's got worse because you see COVID is the best excuse for somebody in government not to do a job. It really is. So when Billy offered me the chance of getting on board with Build, whenever I started doing this job, there was 47 derelict sites. Now there's 82. So really, if you extrapolate that out, sooner or later, there's not going to be a shankle road. And we'll have to do something about it. And it has to be calling people to account really to account not just once every five years some basically an inept inarticulate fool asking for your vote we have to say what are you doing for us now so that we can then vote for you in the future what are you actually going to do for this community now immediately and not throw up the oh COVID means we can't do this oh planning means we can't do that somebody said if there had been a military issue Murray it would have been solved yesterday so there you go no worries, appreciate
0: it. We'll come back to some of those thoughts uh, a, wee, a wee bit later on then. So we'll move on to the next person around the city the table here, Jonathan. How come you're involved in BUILD?
4: Okay, so uh, I'm involved in BUILD because I've been brought in with Billy to uh, write the report and the recommendations um, to sort of summarise the outworkings of the process that's gone over the past two or three months. Uh so one of the things that I'd be interested uh, in that is when you look at the sheer scale um, of 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 Liderlik sites in the area, both in terms of when they're aggregated together, and you look at the, sort of like the square meterage of that as a total. But also there's some very large scale sites in the area too, as well as small ones. And there's not going to be one fix all solution to it. There's certainly not going to be a short term solution to it. Um, and I think it's good that the the team that Billy has built around him um, in relation. To they build and um, do have the commitment they look at this as a long term approach and hopefully um, the, the research will um, provide some guidance and structure for how they can take that forward.
0: Brilliant and we've one more person in the room with us uh, maybe they'll introduce themselves and give us a bit of
5: a an insight as to why they're involved you know My name is Murray Watt and I have uh, a professional background in housing planning and uh, community development, but I'm actually here uh, involved in building a personal capacity because I wanted to have a wee bit more freedom to be able to say and engage uh, with people um, and do things which perhaps wouldn't be necessarily appropriate for the the professional role that I have, Uh, because I think some of those things, as as Paul and and Ian have already alluded to, probably need to be said in in a much more challenging way. I was listening very carefully to what Ian was saying and Paul and Billy as well, but I take a different view in the sense that um, over the number of years wandering about the Shankill, one of the things that strikes me and strikes me quite, quite hard is the level of personal and individual pride people have in their homes um, and, and in certain aspects of their, their community and social life. And that's not uh, matched by a commitment from um, government, uh, local and central, or indeed the, the mechanisms of government, i.e. the planning system, or indeed the, the areas of service provision, and, if, and I think BUILD is a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to um, take the positive, which is pride in people, uh, and reflect that back to government and say, yeah, it's not good enough, you need to do better. Okay.
0: Um, Billy, maybe we'll bring you back in. And obviously, there's been a number of things mentioned here in regards to you know, derelict spaces and things like that. What are some of the issues that these derelict spaces um, present to the community and how you tend to address them through Build?
1: Well, again, Glenn, I mean, our specific pilot project here under bill was coming at it from a community safety point of view because it was part of the, the, the community safety programme. Um, but what we realise is that this is far too big an issue just to sit as a, as a wee bolt on the a small scale community safety programme. What we're hoping to do is that we build a bit of momentum, we light a bit of fire under people and we we uh, create a wee bit of enthusiasm that, that creates um, a much bigger process that, that this becomes a life of its own because the scale of it and and the, the, the different elements to it is is massive. Um, having said that, I believe that you know, just through our own experience, both living and working in the shankle, um, you know, it's you don't need to be a, a, a sociologist to realise that when people look round and come out of their their homes and they see neglect, it it it's disparaging. It creates that whole sense of hopelessness, and that people don't care. So, if we can create some short term change, and again, it will be a wee bit of a sticking plaster, where we maybe tidy up some of these sites that have been left for decades that's good but that's not the praise that we want ultimately what we want is is the lobby in a longer term basis to to have statutory agencies and community partners sitting down and actually coming up with some solutions to those spaces so for us it was really just hearing about concerns and there are numerous examples of sites that have become you know we hideaways for for people to take drugs they've been you know opportunities for particularly around interfaces for for centers of of interface violence so there's a whole swathe of of social problems that come out of these and say you don't need to be a a rocket science to realize that if, if we don't do something it's going to have have a detrimental effect on everyone
0: so the the primary purpose of building is obviously to, to act about these things so what kind of things are being done
1: well, I suppose in the short term, and again, whilst we're ambitious, we also have to realise that this is a process. The first thing that we committed to, um, and we were only given initially a three-month opportunity to do this, was to actually map out the scale list. We were able to, to piggyback on, on a, a study that was done a number of years ago, but we've updated that and we've developed that uh, more comprehensive picture. So the first point was, what is the problem? And we've done that um, and we will produce, as Jonathan said, a report that, and make that accessible and amenable to people. The next thing we did was obviously, and this was during a lockdown and over the December period, was to establish a working group. And again, trying to bring different partners around the table. The first thing I would say is alternatives aren't a regeneration um, organisation. We're a community safety organisation, so it's not our expert field. Um, But there are people in the community that's been doing this for decades So bringing those people round a table um, From different neighbourhoods with different experiences And trying to encourage then the politicians And also the different statutory agencies I believe is the first step to actually trying to sort out some of the problems And then the other point that we wanted to do was It's all very well to have this information We need to inform people about it So BUILD has for me three sort of values in the strap line uh, and the first one is about involve. So it's about involving people, um, both residents, statutory agencies and finance solutions. The next stage is about uh, informing people. So there's no point us sitting in all this information. It's about informing the wider community of the issue so that they actually start to ask questions, but it's also about informing, everyone about how we learn about this process and then the, the the last stage would be about improving and really in the short term we want to tidy some of these sites up but in the long term what we want to do is improve the the very physical um elements of the greater Shangle through you know plots being developed for whether it's business or whether it's apartment blocks above them or more important housing and a mix of housing so that's really what we're hoping to do we've we've a a very short time to do it and we would hope that uh, in the next stage that we're building momentum to actually take this further and we're going to have a public event once obviously lockdown comes. So that's that's where we're hoping to go. Okay,
0: and I suppose one of the things, you mentioned there about involvement then, so how do you see other people getting involved in this? How do you see the communities that are represented here get involved in what Bill's trying to achieve?
2: Um, the, there are a number of issues which can um, ignite people's thinking um, and can unite people within the greater Shankle and regeneration activity is, is one of them you know um, it's no secret that you know upper shankle, mid shankle and lower Shankle there have been successes in regeneration over the past number of years for social house building and those successes um, the common theme between the three successes is a bottom-up approach that was taken. And that has been instilled by Billy and his colleagues in the BUILD program from the outset. And that's why that's why it appeals to me. And that's why the the information that we share will appeal to, in my opinion, the greater shankill as a community. Um, all too often, we have been faced in the past, when we talk about regeneration activity, we are almost presented with a fait accompli by government Um, and that master plans are very often sat down in front of us and told here's here's what you're getting here's what it is this program another regeneration activity carried out by groups tried to reverse that trend by saying look you know Mr. Government if I can use that terminology if you are so good at regeneration activity why is it why are the dereliction levels in our community much greater from you assume those powers than they were before you had them. So, in in, in the politest kind of way, you're not very good at regeneration, Mr Government. Now, as Mr Community, I'm not very good on the the processes and the protocols and all this here. But the bottom-up approach that we have and the top down approach from government should meet somewhere in the middle. That place, for me, is in a programme like More People. Community activists can come together with government and map a way forward together for some of these sites, short, medium and, and long term resolution. So that that's
0: one element of it in regards to the, the idea of, you know, involving the government and stuff. What I know there may be some other people looking to come in here, but what's the, the general kind of consensus in the community around the idea of trying to regenerate things? Is there a lot of interest in terms of people within the community involved in this? Because I know someone already mentioned you know, that, that, that people were taking great pride in their houses, but maybe not taking great pride elsewhere. What's the kind of uptake like in regards to you know the way their community wanting to get involved in this outside of people who are obviously regeneratively minded?
1: Well... Well, uh, you know, unfortunately, when we kick this off, we are in a, a very difficult circumstances. And as I said, the big part of, of BUILD is to involve people um, at all different levels and different groups of people. Unfortunately, because of lockdown, we were, we were unable to do that. So we have a small steering group that's taking this forward. But certainly, I mean, on a practical side of things, um, one of the things that we want to do is, is start to work around developing community cleanups Um, You know, to have people involved in voluntary um, environmental projects, to have the opportunity also as we go forward is to build the skill sets of people and residence groups to understand how the systems work, how you actually find out who owns a a land, um, how you'll be able to use the land registry. All these things are about empowering people and that's really where we see, once we come out of lockdown, is that we can really hit the ground. Um, we At this point, what we've been doing is setting the structures in place, getting the people around the table. But very much coming out of this, it will be about the people taking on the ownership and responsibility. And that we know when communities get involved and feel good about something, they're more likely to take interest. And the other point of it is that we want this to be done, not in isolation. So, again, coordinating things, I think, has a far bigger impact. If, if one group in lower shankle do a clean-up, that's great. But if, if they start to see that it's part of a bigger process where there's one happening up in Highfield or one in Glencairn or one in the mid-shankle, then it starts to become something bigger. And, and once you do that and people see that actually, you know, a lot of us gurn and whinge, um, but when you see that there's opportunities to maybe change, and not only change, but actually get involved in that change, then we would hope that that would build uh, encouragement and build confidence in people.
4: Yeah, well, it's just following up what Ian said about governments and communities meeting in the middle. And one of the interesting things about this area is if you you look at large-scale regeneration, it always happens in, like, former brownfield sites. So if you think of Belfast, you have the the gas works, the docks, and some of the the former large factories. What's unique um, about um, this area is you have a huge um, uh, scale in terms of uh, empty sites, but they're spread out. And uh, just like they were able to develop mechanisms for the redevelopment of places like the gas works and the uh, the docks and and places like that, I think there's a need for some type of mechanism that looks at somewhere like this that um, has all this disparity. Um, of, of, of sites and comes with a solution that won't just say, "Well, here's a little example in this space where we've stuck some apartments or some housing or made a community garden," but looks at the area in the totality and says, "We're going to put significant long-term investment in here and and transform and um, and transform the area." Yeah, if I if
5: I can come in here and maybe just follow up from a couple of things, that Ian and and, and uh, Johnny's just said there. I mean, what we're really what we're really at is period a coming to an end of a period of time of, of massive failure by government. Um, government failure over decades in terms of the redevelopment or successive redevelopments of part of the Shankill, which had to be redone and redone and, and subsequently abandoned. But we've also in more recent years had the failure of uh, neighbourhood uh, renewal, we've had the failure of community planning and we've had the failure of regional development planning to proactively engage with the the local communities in the Shankill in terms of what the priorities of action should be. Often in quite a lot of these government programs the the terms of engagement are set by government or imposed and they're neither appropriate, accessible or useful for the people who are are, are living in some of the streets and probably most of the streets and and neighbourhoods. And that is why I think we have the large-scale dereliction that we have because people have become uh, separated from uh, planning processes although having said that you could probably argue that they were never attached to them at all because it was never in the interests of government to uh, engage people because uh, it's not in the tradition of the Stormont government and it hasn't been the tradition of the civil service uh, in the last 25, 30, 40 years. Civil servants do but they do not listen uh, and I think it, that that's evident in terms of the the, the attitude to, to planning. Um so the opportunity that we have as build is to look at the stage we're at in terms of dereliction but also look at the opportunities that are coming up in terms of the local development plan as part of the, the regional development plan process and say that there is a place for local people and local communities in town and country planning and we're going to find the ways and the most appropriate means for getting people involved in that. Um, and there, there's a whole pile of reasons for doing that it's not just the, the notion of well-being it's not just the notion of engagement for engagement's sake but it's also that sense of um, local ownership over the places where people live
3: Right, following on from what Marie just said um, with regards with regards to government and planning um, in this area, the Greater Schenkel area we have two of the most iconic buildings that are a time to Northern Ireland in this hundred years, to the centenary, to the foundation of the state, to the resistance to United Ireland, to the implementation of law and order. Two buildings. Everybody should know what they are. The Crumlin Road Courthouse, sold for a pound once upon a time. Land derelict, used as a jungle run for kids. The police too frightened to go into. The other building, Fernhill House. An iconic building that was... A centre and a keystone of the fight against the United Ireland and against Home Rule. Both are now and in their election. And who causes that? Our planners, our government, our city councillors. All the people that are supposed to be the great and the good, they're not. So one of the reasons that I'm here and with the BUILD programme is so that we build. We build on our history. We build houses. We build appropriate schools. We build Better facilities for our people. So out of the build program, I want the ability to build.
0: Okay. Um, in regards that, obviously you've got a, a short period of time to, to do some of this stuff in. And regard what's what's the realistic goals?
1: Well, as as I said before. Um, the, f- the first point is, is to engage, and the second point is to inform. I think it's to actually look at the scale of it, um, to make people aware of it. But more importantly is to understand the why, as I've been saying. Um, we know that there are huge problems. Um, what we need to drill down to is actually understand what are the drivers around them, and more importantly, come up with some more collaborative um, solutions to actually address them. We're not going to completely transform the Greater Shankill area. We know that. But what we want to do is kick start and, and build people's expectations to the point where they, they ask for more. They start to question and they have a better understanding of what actually is the, the legislation. What's what's the legal aspects in terms of, even, even if you take it down to a site where there's slates coming off a roof and it's falling into someone's garden to their children, right through to... Why is it that um, we don't have housing for, for appropriate um, residents in the community? Uh, and again, I think all we can do is light a fire under people. And as I said, our ambition is that we basically do ourselves out of a job here, that this becomes a far bigger project that needs the, the investment and the, the attention that it deserves and not just something that is an add-on to something else.
2: Um Glenn, from, I can summarise the BUILD programme for me in, in three sim, similar, quite similar steps. One, we need to make safe some of the sites that are lying currently today because young people who access them, sooner or later, God forbid, if some young person is injured or harmed in any way because of any activities on that site, the blame game then begins. And the last thing that any of us need is our community to be blamed on the inaction of others, that's very important. Um, Medium term for me, there's an opportunity I believe through discussion (coughs) for government to, um, who own and hold several prominent um, sites on the frontage of the Shankill Road for example, to give back to the community and allow, whilst they keep their sites in, in quite good order, they are closed to the public. And I believe that even in the medium term, these sites should be opened up and be able to be used by the, by the public for recreational activity, rest places for our elderly. We're trying to encourage people to, to be more active in the city. Let's give them somewhere to sit while they walk. But longer term, I would hope that the Department for Communities, primarily who would be responsible for that kind of thing, would enter into an, an agreement to carry out a master plan and exercise for the greater Shangri area. Um, and yes if we have 82 sites of their election, be they public or private, I believe that the government are duty bound to come up with a master plan of you know 5, 10, 15 year vision for what the greater Shangri area could look like and we would like to be and I think we deserve to be as a community part of that discussion.
5: No, I I mean, I I think as well, I mean, one of the things that, um, again, just to take a a perhaps a a more deconstructionist view of things um, in terms of build, and let's say we we keep talking about the 82 sites of dereliction, I think there's actually 82 sites of opportunity, um, and part of our challenge is to be able to get enough information, build enough awareness, and get enough energy for other people, and particularly the landowners, to appreciate that they are opportunities. Um, and and above that and above that and alongside that is also looking not just at the vacant sites, but also at some of the other iconic buildings in and around the Shankill, particularly the churches. Uh, in terms of nineteenth um, and, tw- and early twentieth century church architecture, there is a piece of work that could be done. I think to that that has an enormous potential, and not just in terms of of. Research for research sake, but also as a tourist potential, um, because just, again, just because of the nature and the scale of church building uh, on, on the road over uh, the last one hundred and fifty years, and I think it's one aspect of one of the things that, that that we could be, if not doing, we could certainly be going out of our way to find somebody who could. So, and I think it's opportunities like that that we might want to explore, and it's not just churches. I mean, it's, it's other industrial sites, as other housing types as well.
3: Can I ask a question? See the eighty-two sites. Are the churches included in that? No. Um, so there's more than eighty-two sites because there's churches that are there's nobody <laughs> yeah. uses
1: them anymore. I mean, I, I suppose that's one of the one of the things is that I, as you start to drill down further in this, there's it's even a bigger problem in the sense that where we have identified eighty-two sites cr- across the Greater Shankill, they are generally in plots that are vacant. That doesn't take into consideration, you know, shop frontages, buildings. Churches that are that have been left, neglected, or left, disused for years. Um, and I suppose, Glenn, that's the point. I mean, Murray talked there about, um, you know, the architecture. We have the talk about the potential for tourism in, in Northern Ireland, Belfast, and um, the Shankill's probably one of the most visited places. But the other week there, we'd done an open-top bus tour, and it was one of a different kind. It was to look at the waste sites, and it really occurred to me that we have far more waste sites to go and see. And when you're sitting on the top of an open-top bus, it is a bit striking, the amount of them in the scale of them. And, and I think it it, it it does warrant, because we would argue that there is no other area, um, this is on precedent in terms of arterial routes. We did a, a, a very basic sort of uh, comparative of eight areas across Belfast, and we plotted out from the, the gateway from, from those main areas and roads from the, the city centre. So in South Belfast, we had the Armour Road and we had the Donegal Road coming from Sandy Row. Um, we had on the West Belfast we had the Springfield Road and the Falls Road. In East Belfast, we had the Woodstock Road and the Newton Arch Road. And in North Belfast, we had the Cliftonville Road and the Antrim Road. The Shankle within one square mile had 17. Disused or vacant plots um, from a mile that that stretched from Peters Hill to, to Woodville Park the only other area of anywhere near that comparison was a neward Road that had seven um and in Falls Road there was none Springfield Road I think there was one and in Adam road there was one so this is completely unprecedented and we believe that it really does take some sort of I think initiative to look at the main or tier route and, and develop some sort of action zone um, to actually do something that is outside of the box and really does need to give a new fresh set of eyes on this because again, the facts are there. This isn't conspiracy theory, this isn't people who feel, you know, that everybody's against them. You only have to get on the open top bus. Or walk up the Shankill Road, and it's there. And it suddenly struck me as if we're going to tell people about this area and this history, the first thing to notice is how bloody decline it is, and how high bad a state it is. And it, it it's it really does need to, something major needs to be done.
5: I think as well, Billy. One of the the, the child, well, one of the problems is that you don't get too many senior journalists or civil servants driving up the Shankill on their way home at night. <laughs> So, you know, and, and, a lot, and, and in and a lot of ways. I mean, the Shankle's only a story whenever somebody says Faraday bus. Uh, it's not an area of concern in the normal run of things, and I, I, well, unless it's people like us, um, and, and that has to be a concern, that has to be a worry. But also, again, I mean, look, it's an opportunity because it gives us the opportunity to reframe the debate and, and reframe the conversation, which I think is what Bill's doing and, and which is why I'm committed to it.
3: One of the other things about that as well is, Actually, the economic activity. Well, I remember the shops used to stay open to six o'clock. Half five at the earliest you would have closed. You go up this road now, after four o'clock you're lucky to get something open. Everybody closes now. What we do have is we have the gold bowl, oh, sorry, the goldfish bowl effect where everybody here feels like they're in an apology. I can't even say it, but we're like a human study. People go by on open-top buses, but they do just stare at the uh, creatures in the asylum they really do i mean you feel like you're going to be throwing a fish and you can clap bowl tourism i mean what is this that the jump on a bus in the center of the town to come up here and the jump off the bus at the bottom we should be the welcoming vibrant community that we've always been people should feel to get off and come and spend some money would be nice but what is there is murray just says four o'clock closed
5: i i I mean i i think some of the tourism as well is is petty tourism. Um, and, and you know, that, that's. That I, well, yeah, yeah and, 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 and let's look at the ghoulish stuff. Uh, we we want to see where bad things happen. We don't want to. We don't actually want to acknowledge that people have um, vibrant lives that are full of joy and happiness and the laughter of children. Um, I mean, the first, the, f- the first thing I did after lockdown was to go to Advantage Park three weeks ago and watch the Berlin Swifts under 12s. Uh, in a football match against Banger, and I, I, the smile still on my face because it was the most happy bloody thing, and I love that. And 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 the people that were there were loving it too. People do that in the Shankill. I mean, you, when you go to the playing fields, when you go to the open open spaces, that that's what's happening, you know. And, and it's not a ghoulish place, and it's not a dark place. It's a happy place. And again, that that's what I'm saying about re- re- reframing the conversation and the discussion.
4: Yeah, and I think just to sort of reiterate what Murray says, there's such an emphasis now in Northern Ireland that tourism is going to be the answer to everything, but I think before you even think about tourism, the first thing you need to do is give the people who live in a place um, somewhere that's, as you say, vibrant, nice, and engaging, engaging they live, and uh, I think that's um, where Build provides provides an opportunity, is providing some impetus in this area for, for change, and... Um, uh, a built environment that people can thrive in rather than from when you're born um, do you grow up as a teenager you're surrounded you're surrounded with dereliction and those types of experiences aren't positive
2: yeah just following on from uh, stuff that the guys have been saying and it, there was a comment made four, almost four years ago um, to me by a foreign visitor to Belfast and believe it or not the comment stuck with me and whenever i heard about the the build program was one of the main drivers for for becoming involved in um we we had a a we were able to host a group of french students um on a shared visit they spent um three days and with our partner group in the falls road and they spent two days on on the shangle road and the significant thing for me and I, I laughed at the time, was that these young people asked us to film them, walking through the peace lane between the falls and the Shango Road, pulling their suitcases behind them. This was an iconic image that they wanted to record, so we, we, we happily did that. And once we got them you know, up to the office and sorted out and talking to them, um, one of my colleagues asked the student what was the significance. Uh, why was it so important to, to have that moment of filming yourselves walking through um, a peace line? And what she said then struck me and still does to do this every single day I remind myself of it. When she turned around and said, Look, um, when we travelled from the falls to the Shankle, it was like travelling from Barcelona to West Beirut. And that shocked me. And when I asked her to elaborate on what she meant, she said, basically, that the regeneration activity in the shankle is pitiful compared to your neighbours. And that that's a, that's a foreign student that was here for five days. And the clear need for regeneration in our community was clear to that kid who's walking through a peace gate. And that, 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 that's a shameful, like, you know.
0: Well, folks, thanks very much for sharing some of your, your, your opinions and uh, thoughts in regards to what needs to happen in terms of the, the shaggle area, especially in the whole area of regeneration. What I'd like to do just to finish off is to give you just an opportunity to make some maybe like closing statements in terms of your own hopes um, for, for build and for the shackle in general. Well, well, for me, the the,
1: the Point we'd like to say is that as we come out of lockdown here um, and Bill starts to make a difference on the ground is that we know the Shankill has a, a very, very strong history and tradition of responding to the crisis, responding to the need and whatever f- things it faces. So we would hope that people would uh, step up to that and get involved um, because, as I say, we can all sit and, and blame others and we can get, uh, you know, concerned and irate it. But... Unless you get involved um, it 's not going to get solved and And the other thing we would say is that you know going forward that um so I would just uh, appeal to people that rather than sitting and you know getting frustrated or getting complaining about what the, the state of the thing is, there's a tradition in this community about getting up and doing it for ourselves. So Bill provides anybody who wishes to get involved an opportunity to firstly get involved. Um, it gives an opportunity to be informed and more importantly, it gives you an opportunity to improve the, the community that you live in. So our, our message out there is that we're one that opens doors here to anybody that wants to get involved while it's uh, a statutory agency, a resident and anyone who actually feels of something hard to play and I do believe that the whilst I say it can't be doom and gloom at times, that there are examples in this shackle road um, that are groundbreaking models of practice and I would hope that build maybe going forward in the next coming years would be one of those models that we could say that started with a conversation about someone saying we need to do something about the 82 sites in the shankle Uh,
5: i I think follow on from what billy said there um coming over the horizon and coming over fairly quickly will be the consultation on local development plan um which the city council will be rolling out and that will be looking at uh, on a site-by-site basis the, the the future development um, opportunities there is a limited scope of of uh, and time for engaging with that particular process so i think a job of work that we certainly have is to build a confederacy of uh, uh stakeholders and interested stakeholders to say right well look we, we need to find the, the best means for local people to be able to engage with the city council uh, on the local plan but also on the site by site basis as it impacts their lives
2: Yeah, look, for me, um, the BUILD programme has huge potential for the um, Greater Shankill area and I'm quite content to take a longer-term view on it. Um, Absolutely, we need to um, inform, we need to inspire and we need to improve our communities. Um, But I'm touched by the vision for our city by Belfast City Council. Um, it is a the creation of a city for all uh, and a city of equals, and I would love to see the day where the Greater Shankill area becomes a full and equal partner within its own city, and I believe the BUILD programme has the potential to inspire people to start making that vision a reality. I think just, just to emphasise that, Ian, I mean... Um
5: the, the, the community plan the belfast agenda the, the the places where we hear those words to all intents and purposes to me they're still just words uh, and i think there's a a long way to go before that becomes uh, a manifest or or, or a demonstrable uh, impact for for the, for the shankle um and build i mean we i think we have a, a, an opportunity um to encourage people to engage, certainly with the local development plan and certainly ongoing into the, the, the so-called community plan. The failure of the community plan is that it's city-wide. The, com- the community plan should have been boiled down to a set number of neighbourhoods. I mean, the, the problem wasn't, you know, Alex Atwood was the Minister of Infrastructure or Regional Development at the time, and he was quite uh, scathing about his own department and said, my officials don't understand community planning um and i was in a room when he said it um and i was in a involved in an organization to whom he was coming for help um but you know and the outcome i think has been a a a regional development strategy for belfast rather than a community plan for a set number of of neighborhoods and i think we probably will end up in in a process whereby build is uh Providing the impetus to address or at least readdress that issue and say, well, we, we need community planning in the shankle. And if you, as government, are going to try to do it on your terms, well, we're going to do it in the terms that the, that the local people here understand.
1: I'm just minded, um, I suppose, in finishing. Um, we had a as an organisation we've done a number of public art projects with young people and a few years ago there we did one just at the gateway to the shangle. and it, it took the the iconic image of the, of the Red Han um, and again we used that and it was a, it was an analogy that Jackie Redpath once used a number of years ago and and it highlighted that the Red Han was a proud Red Han and it, it signified a proud community and very much the shangle marie's talked earlier and we've talked about that proud tradition of of pride and who you are and where you live um but it also then moves into a a fist um and that fist can represent resilience and i think there's a big mistake um when we talk about resilience it means that we're we're willing to take whatever's through at us i think what bill will try to do is is to build resilience and, and create but also to build a sense of you know um a, a, a sense of strength that actually says, you know, we're going to ask for more and we demand more, but I think then what that fist does is it moves into a hand it reaches out to be welcome, and a community needs to look out, and and again we're a community that want our community to look out and it has to be welcoming, but the one thing it has to do is it has to be welcoming to the visitors, and if the first sight that they come to is that mural, and then the next sites they see as 17 other sites as they go up Bad Shankill Road in decline, then that isn't a welcome community, it isn't welcome to the residents and it's certainly not welcome to visitors so for me that wee mural down at Gardner Street and typifies what we're trying to do and build we're trying to bring people a proud community that's went through a lot but we want to actually develop it to the next level where we become a community that is at ease with itself and at ease with people who come and visit us
0: well, folks, thanks very much for coming in and sharing about the, the BUILD project on the Talk Talking Peace podcast. And I look forward to featuring the, the program again in regards to checking in on some of the, the advances you've made on the issues that you're, you're trying to address. Thanks very much, folks. Well, there you go, folks. That's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that we had there around the, the BUILD project. And it's definitely something that I'll be taking a keen interest in in terms of how it develops, but also how it fits in with the whole restorative narrative and that we are interested in all aspects of our community in terms of repairing and uh, making things right. Join us next time when we'll have a conversation with Mark Finnis from L30 Relational Systems, talking about the training that he does, the work he does in schools, and just generally talking about all things restorative practice. So until then, look after yourselves and take it easy.